Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class John Valentine. Welcome to the Veterans Be Real podcast. Here's where we try to keep it real and do our best to help all our fellow veterans out there. This podcast will hopefully open our veterans' eyes into the transition and challenges they are facing and give them some guidance along the way. Please subscribe and download our podcast. We look forward to you, your insight, and your loyalty. Thanks for listening. And now, here's Veterans Be Real. Good morning, veteran be real listeners out there, or good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're listening to my podcast, right? So just pay attention to that because it's you know it's a time crunch here for us. Today I got Michael Rannigan on. He's a Navy vet. All right, he was a corpsman in the Navy, so he's a little as close as he can get to me as he can because he was at least a medic, you know what I'm saying? He was a medical guy. So I can I could say, hey, you know, Army Navy, but at least we had that in common, so we're there. But Michael's coming on, he's gonna talk to you a little bit about his transition out of the Navy and kind of what's going on with him now and how he handled his transition. So, Michael. The floor is yours, my friend. Let us hear what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. First and foremost, I want to say thanks for allowing me on your podcast. It's yeah, an honor to, have you, yeah. to be about here, to be able to share my, my experience, strength, and hope with you guys like you did state. I joined the Navy in uh, 1999 before it was cool to join the military. I joined for different reasons. I needed to get the hell out of Dodge, yep. and I wanted to see the world. I joined. I wanted to be a corpsman. I wanted to be in the medical field. And my my mom, she was a nurse, so that kind of gave me that inspiration to go into that medical field, right? Secondly, I knew that if I once I got out of the service, at least I would have a solid education in the medical industry and I could get out and find a job versus if I was a tank driver. Not many openings for tank drivers, right, when you get out? Not too many. So from there, I ended up going through all the schooling and what have you. Little, Little unknown to me was, the Marines are the Department of the Navy, and I ended up being a corpsman with the Marine Corps unit for four years. So I did a full term with the Marine Corps, which was which was great. I was attached to a uh, light armored reconnaissance unit. In 2001, we were actually in Darwin, Australia, when the World Trade Centers were attacked. And so our unit, our Westpac, was the first boots on the ground into Afghanistan on a large scale. And so I spent in November of 2001 till April, May timeframe, we were in Afghanistan, came home, got married, moved her out to California. Everything was great. Next thing you know, four, five, six months later, the Marine Corps was sent off to Iraq and she was sent back to Texas. So that was a really crazy transition. Mind you, I'm 21 years old at this time, going into my second deployment. Again, we spent another eight, nine months over in Iraq and country, came back and got out of the military in 2006. Now, when I got out, I had a little bit of animosity to, to Uncle Sam, to be perfectly honest with you guys, right? One, they combined the medical and dental rate in the Navy, therefore limiting my potential to increase in rank. I was capped out on all points, spectrums, the whole nine yards. But when you, they just didn't have any billets open for me to be able to move up in rank. Secondly, we were transitioning from one president to another. I didn't see eye to eye with the new president coming in. Just couldn't wrap my brain around somebody whose name was in the, had the same name as two of the people that we were trying to find. 
right? And it just it blew my mind. And so I was like, you know what? I'm good. I did my two times. They also wanted to send me back to Iraq for a third rodeo, and third time's typically not a charm, right? So I counted my blessings and, and, and got out. From there, I went into a large battle with myself. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I bounced from job to job to job. I decided to go to college. That was, I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss or not, but I will. Yeah, you're good. You're good. F-bombs here and there. But I just, I was, I was just lost. I didn't really fully understand who to talk to, where to talk to them. The VA wasn't pushed. Veterans groups weren't pushed. The only thing I knew about veterans was a VFW. And when I went to a VFW, I mean, it was a bunch of old heads. And I was like, I can't jam with these guys. There was just no relationship. And so I found myself drowning my sorrows in, in alcohol. Right. And just doing the, the bare minimum with being married and, and having children and just living life. Life was just really kicking my ass, you, you know, and I was just trying to do the best that I could with the limited amount of information that I had. So from there, and I went down that path from 2006 for probably a good t- five or 10 years where I just really focused on drinking and picked up some other addictions that I'm not real proud of. And it came all the way to a point where I almost lost my wife and kids, right, to a divorce. Yeah. And ended up getting my own apartment and just really I had a big, big swift kick in the ass by life, right? And when I began to quit lying to myself and putting blame on everything else around me, right? And I kept, you know, every, it was everybody else's fault, not mine, right? Obviously, it couldn't be my fault. But when I became honest with myself and I said, you know what, maybe if I allow a power bigger than me to step in and let their will be done and not mine, maybe I can gain some clarity. Maybe I can gain some success. And don't get me wrong. I went to rehab in the Navy. I went to CCU in the Marine Corps. I went through some shows, the SACO program, the SATO program. I've struggled with alcohol and addiction for, for majority of my life, but I was never willing right? I was always quitting for the wrong reasons. I was always, oh, I'll do it for, for my wife. I'll do it for my kids. I'll do it for my company. I'll do it for whatever other reason. But for me, it never panned out. And then when I had that one glimpse moment of clarity, when I was on my knees, when I was in my darkest, most, I mean, just, just a super dark place, that's where I saw the light. That's where I was able to turn around and renew my faith in, in Jesus as I know him today, right? And I was raised Catholic, so I was religious. You know, I knew about all that, but it wasn't the same, right? It was, and I don't even view God like many people view God, right? I view him as a power bigger than myself. Like he's the, that's the person that gives me intuition. It's the thing that fuels my conscience, that fuels my soul. And it doesn't have to be any denomination for me. It just, it just doesn't. I can go to a Baptist church, a Catholic church or whatever. As long as I'm willing to allow something bigger than myself, to take control over my actions, I'm going to become successful. I'm going to, I'm going to win. So that being said, me and my wife had a long, long, hard look at ourselves. And we decided to go through marriage boot camp, mm. right? And just put it out all in line. Just put it out there. Just become 100% honest with each other. Let her know my, my characteristic defects. Let her know all my faults. You know, and we've been together for 20 years. So there's not a lot she didn't know. But there was enough secrets that I chose not to let her in on that kept our relationship rocky. And so when we went through that marriage boot camp, we had a new appreciation for each other. 
I finally had an idea of what women want and how they think. And oftentimes they just want me to listen and not talk as much. Right. Which is, which is huge. Right. Who thought that, you know, like, Oh, just, just fucking listen sometimes and I'll figure out the answer. And so from there, we, we, we started off slowly, right? We started off like we're a boyfriend and girlfriend, right? I took her out on dates and I didn't drink. I quit. I went to 90 meetings in 90 days and I kept that up. I did the program and I did it because I wanted to. I did it because I was tired. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? At that point in my life, I was morally bankrupt. I was spiritually bankrupt. I was financially bankrupt. I was just extremely lost. I wasn't proud of myself. Any of the achievements that I did in the military, I wasn't proud of. The degrees I had, I wasn't proud of. The company I was running, I wasn't proud of. And it wasn't that they weren't successful. It wasn't that they, they weren't, that none of that stuff was great. It just, on the inside, I wasn't proud of me. I wasn't proud of who the guy I was. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin, Right. Lo and behold, uh, the church we were attending, some guy out of the blue came up. He, he figured out that I was a veteran. And he's like, hey, man, do you want to come to this PTSD networking thing? And I was like, I laughed. I said, oh, I had PTSD since the day I was born, which is half-assed true because when I was about six or seven years old, our house was shot up in a drive-by shooting on two different occasions, mm-hmm. Right. And I also saw a good friend of mine get murdered at the age of five in a drive-by. So all intents and purposes, like I've fucking seen some jacked up stuff mm. from childhood up until now, right? So I've been in, at war in an urban city and I've been at war with myself and I've been at war across the pond fighting for a country. So I've been in all these different scenarios of, of what war can be like. I've been at war with addiction. I've been at war with alcoholism. And I've been at war with myself and it was really, really difficult for me to wrap my brain around it. And I honestly didn't know if anybody ever experienced the same type of shit that I did right outside of my brothers, right? My brothers did because they were part of it. That's why one went to the penitentiary, one moved down to Houston and totally just abandoned ship. He's like, fuck you guys. I'm out, you know, but who can blame them? I couldn't because I practically did the same thing by joining the military. So from there, like I said, we, we, we started going to a marriage boot camp. We started getting into this church here in the city we live in. And he invited me to this PTSD networking thing. And there is where I finally found my first moment of clarity. That's where I finally found some people that were just as jacked up as I was. Right. And for me, that was important. I needed to be able to be in a room that I felt comfortable enough to be able to say anything that I wanted, no matter how deep, dark, and checked up it was, I needed to get that off my chest. And by doing so, I felt a sense of relief. I felt this weight of the world off of my shoulders because now I no longer had to keep these deep, dark secrets in my back pocket. I was able to share it and I knew that it wasn't going to go anywhere else. Right. And so I continued to attend those meetings. I continued to go to meetings. I continued to work a program of recovery. I continued to work on my marriage. And, and I started to develop these habits that I didn't know I was developing, right? Subconsciously, I began to create a new lifestyle for myself. And it wasn't easy by no means, by no stretch of the mind, was, was this a simple process. And so from there... As I, as I began to stay sober, 
and I began to listen more and I began to implement the stuff that I read and the suggestions people gave me, this, this new transformation began to take place, right? I started to have a better sense of pride in myself. I began to, to, to start working out more often. I developed a relationship with, with the gym. So I call that substitute addiction, right? Is when you take one thing that you do a lot and you trade it for something else. Yep. But at least I traded it for something beneficial. Yeah, a little right. healthier. Yeah, a little healthier. Yeah. <laughs> a little healthier, right? I, in, instead of a 12 pack of cold beer, it's a 12 pack of water. Yeah. Um, you still pee the same amount. Yeah. So I, I developed, you know, and I formed new friendships, right? I started to meet people that were in a place that was better than mine, right? Because in the past, I surrounded myself with people that were doing the same stuff I was doing. I was literally the smartest person in the room. And so I was told if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're probably in the wrong room, right? Yep. And so that really didn't resonate with me until I started meeting with these these other veterans, right? And then over a period of time, I, I was invited to another veterans group called Band of Brothers, right? I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll, go, I'll give it a shot. It's probably a bunch of old heads getting around drinking, you know what I mean? But I was like, whatever, whatever it takes, right? Because that was my motto. It's like, whatever it takes, I cannot go back to the way I used to live. I just can't because I know where I know what that end result was. That end result was either going to be a jail, an institution, or I was going to die. You know what I mean? So therefore I, I said, I took the risk and I went out and, and from there I met retired two-star generals. I met chief warrant officers. I met, you know, retired, you know what I mean? All these people that were just very astute and profound and just, they were, I was in the room that I was not the smartest person anymore. Mm-hmm. And I latched onto it and I latched onto it so much that my wife was like, Mike, are you going to hang out with us anymore? And so I brought her in and I said, look, this is the people we need to be with. We can no longer hang out with the people that sit around on Friday night and sit around and drink till two in the morning in a garage. I was like, I can't do that anymore. So we started hanging out with these people and we started becoming better, making better friends. We in turn made better choices and our marriage in turn became stronger and honestly, today, I, I love her more today than when I first met her. Because when I first met her, it was more lust than love, yeah. right? Because I'm 18, 19 years old. We all know what we're thinking when we're 18 and 19, yeah. but <laughs> we just do. And so they, there I was able to really just start picking people's brains that have, that have been down the same path, the similar path that I've gone down. And some of it didn't work out as well as it did for me. Some ended in divorce, some ended in, in, in whatever the case it was. But I was able to talk to somebody that has been through the same shit that I went through or very, very similarly, and they still lived to tell their story. Yep. And they're very successful and, and they've made life-changing decisions that have propelled them to the next level in life. And so I'm happy to say that this month, I'll have five years clean and sober, which is a huge accomplishment. After, I mean, I shit you not. I started drinking at the age of thirteen. I'm thir- I turned thirty nine this month. I mean, that's a long that's a long long time to to play in that world, and so five years to me isn't long enough. Like you know what I mean? I told myself I said you got a minimum 
of 20 years that you got to do. You got to do at least 20, right? Get caught up. You got to do a minimum of 20. Yeah, get, caught you gotta up. Yeah, get caught up, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, and so I'm I'm super stoked about it, right? It's, it's a huge accomplishment. But during the last five years, I would say is the pinnacle of the greatest growth I've ever had in my entire life. Not only in the relationship that I have with my children and my wife, but the relationship, but how I've grown financially. I own two businesses. One is a DOT compliance, safety and compliance company that's been operating for, for 10 years now. I opened up a second company, which is a roofing company, Docs Roofing. And they both have grown tremendously. And I only attribute tribute to that from being sober, right? Because I now wake up with a different purpose. Today, I don't wake up to see who's at the bar. I wake up to see how many new clients can I meet? How many new clients can I, can I close on today? Who can I help today? And so another great thing with that, we have now created in our city of Rockwall, the Rockwall Veterans Business Alliance. And so myself and about eight or nine other veterans created a networking, a networking group called the Rockwall Veterans Business Alliance. And I've coached, I've mentored, I've, I've given people information. I've shared my, my fears with them and I've told them and I've shared my mistakes with them and, and let them know that no matter how bad it was, if you can play the tape all the way to the end, you can see that there is a good that's going to come from it. As long as you become, as long as I became willing to make the, the, the small changes, right? What do they say? The devil's in the details. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that, and I used to focus on the big picture and I would never be able to accomplish the big picture if I didn't do the, the, the work in the beginning, the small details. Somebody used an analogy of how do you eat an elephant, right? You one, one fucking bite at a time, yeah. right? That is the only way to to be able to tackle such a large goal is just by taking the first step. And even though it is such a daunting task and it can be so intimidating and overwhelming that if I never, if I never took that first step, I would never be where I am today because it's scary. Right. I'll tell you what, it is super scary to decide and say, you know what? I am never, ever going to do this again. Do you know how many relationships and friends that I thought I was going to lose. Right. Did you know like how people, I used to think people will never talk to me again because I didn't drink. You know what I mean? They would never talk to me again because I didn't do this anymore. And at the end of the day, I just had to say, fuck them. Right. Because they're not important. If they were important, they would have supported the decision I had from the get go. And so now I don't even have those friends anymore. I have new friends and they're, they are more, of a, a friendship that I'd never thought I'd ever have. Right. I mean, it's led me to people asking me to be on podcasts, to asking me to say, Mike, what did you do? How did you get there? What is, you know, and I'm able to share that without any recourse. Like I could care less if people found out what I did in my past because it made me the man who I am today. Right. So if I wouldn't have went down the road that I went through, I wouldn't have the experience to be able to share that with, with those that actually need it. Yeah. And and that, so, you know, in, in the veteran community, that's huge, man. Because like you said, you went to that one group and it changed your life because now you're in the room and you're not the smartest guy slash you got people in there with even more challenging things they might've went through and yada, you're not the, 
you know, the center of attention so much anymore. You're kind of just in the group. You know what I mean? And I think that helps us realize that we're not that big of a deal in the real world. You know what I'm saying? Like we just got to focus on the little things in our life to make us good human beings, you know, good people, good husbands, good fathers, good brothers, and you know, whatever. But if we focus on those positive things, our lives get better. You know what I'm saying? And lucky for you, you figure that out. You know what I'm saying? The way you figured it out and it kind of opened your eyes and really related to, you know, your whole lifestyle change. Cause I'm the same way, man. Like I'm one of those type of guys. Hey, so you don't like me? Fucking find somebody else, bro. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm, I'm focused. Now I have bad, I have, my language ain't always perfect, you know, but, but the people that know me know that that's who I am and they accept me for who I am. All the faults included, right? All my mistakes I made in my past, all things, you know, I, I, I ain't going to say I had the addiction issues you had, but I had, I had personality issues that drove people away from me. You know what I'm saying like I drove people away from me. That was one of my big things. I just kept people at a distance. But mm-hmm. now I learned to let people get close and allow people to trust and, and trust other people and stuff. So, yeah, we all go through it, especially as veterans, I think, because we have a, a heightened awareness of what the world is on the other side, what it looks like on the other side, how people live on the other side. So I think it gives us it, – it's an eye-opening experience for all of us. Too. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to back up, too, because I'm super proud of you, man. Five years of sobriety is a big deal, bro. And I, I'm proud of you as a fellow veteran. I'm proud of you that you've been able to step up and do that for you and your family, especially for yourself. Cause it's just going to make you feel like you're, you know, you've, you've accomplished something that you needed to do for yourself. And that's a big deal, man. So I'm proud of you. That's a great thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's extremely huge. And I, and I appreciate the accolades, but I, I rarely don't even share that. You, you know what I mean? I don't tell people about it because it's not something that, it, that I, that I want to brag about. Again, this was a, a selfish decision that I made. Yeah. Like I knew that if I didn't do this, that my world would continue to fall apart, right? And so initially I had to become selfish and say, I'm not, I mean, there was a time, it was about a year and a half where I didn't, we didn't go to bars, we didn't go out, we didn't have people over, we didn't do shit. We were just, we were focused on our marriage, we were focused on our children, and we were focused on our businesses. And today, I mean, we're, we're killing it. We are freaking murdering it. My wife has has her business and has 10 real estate agents underneath her. I have 10 sales reps underneath my roofing company. I have four employees under my drug testing company. I mean, in my wildest years, I would have never thought that this is where I would be at in life. And it's just, I'm, I'm super humble about it. Um, and I've always been a, a giver at heart. And so I, I can, now I have the, even a greater opportunity to be able to give, you know, I, with, the, with the Veterans Business Alliance here, we often get tasked with other nonprofit organizations like CASA, which is the Children's Advocacy Program well, well. For, for battered women and children. You know, I am now at a financial place in life that when they say, man, do you mind donate? I'm like, no, bro, what do you, what do you need? How much can I, you know, how much can I give to a, to an extent? You know, I'm not multimillionaire, big bank, hank or anything. Please do not be misled. But we are financially independent. Yeah. which is huge for me. And so those things are huge for me in life because coming from where I came from, where we moved over 22 times growing up all in the same state, right? All in within three cities we moved. And people would be like, you moved 22 times with your dad in the military? I was like, no, my dad was a drunk alcoholic who fucking couldn't hold a job. And we kept getting kicked out of our rent homes. You know what I mean? And yep. so that made me socially adaptable. Right. I, I could be a gangster. I could be a cowboy. I could be whatever you wanted me to be. 
because I had to adapt so frequently in life, going from one school to another, which gave me the personality that I have today that I can just move and jive with anybody and everybody. Now, do I get along with everybody? Absolutely not. But I am, am I mindful enough to keep quiet long enough that I don't say the wrong thing to piss somebody off, right? Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'll let somebody talk to their blue in the face and then say, all right, cool, nice to know you, I'm out. You know what I mean? Because that's not who I am today versus trying to get into a knockout, drag out argument of over who's bigger than who, you know? So what used to be important back then doesn't even resonate with what's important to me today, which, which is really, which is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's great. And I'm, and I'm proud of you, man. A lot of those steps, a lot of those things, a lot of veterans have to find that realization. I, I don't like to call it selfishness. I like to call it clarity myself because I had to have that moment of clarity for myself myself because I was like, if I don't focus on me and make me better with my PTSD and my, cause I deployed six times and I did a lot and I was in Afghanistan, Iraq, but I mean, it's all over. And, but if I don't fix me, I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good father. I can't be those things. So I need to be clear that my, my responsibility is to me first. Because I always use this Al, Al analogy too. Like, you know, when you're on the airplane and the, and the student says, hey, when the, the little mask drops down, put yours on first before you put your kids on because you got to make sure you're capable to take care of your kids. So same concept is like, if I don't take care of me, just like you did, if I don't take care of me and turn my life around and get my life into where I have, I don't want to say control, but a better understanding of what I need for me, I'm not going to be useful to anybody else. You know what I mean? So I think I, I feel you with that clarity part of it. You know what I'm saying? That's just me though, because yeah, anybody who's got PTSD or depression or any of those things that you deal with from combat or from any kind of thing in life, even like the stuff that happened to you early in life, those are PTSD type of trauma, traumatic experiences. So if we live with those things, then depression comes from those things and things that manipulate your brain to think about suicide and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So clarity is important because now like with my clarity, I, I had put a gun in my mouth and try to kill myself a couple times. I haven't done it in a while because now if my cl- the things that I've learned about my clarity, I know I can just talk to my wife about it now. I don't have to go, I don't have to go over that ledge anymore. I don't have to go over the ledge. I can just stop. Hey babe, I need to talk to you for a minute. It's serious. We need to go in, we need to go in the room, shut the door kind of talk. She goes, oh, okay. And then she knows it's serious. And we go in there. Same thing she does with me. And when she has something serious to talk about, we just kind of mm-hmm. separate ourselves and focus on each other for a little while. But the clarity's there, man, and I'm proud of you. It's a big deal. Yeah, you don't have to broadcast it, but the point is you did it, you've accomplished it, and those things those things make you feel good when you accomplish things because it gives you a drive to, like you said, push it out for 20 years, not just five. You're going to go 20, so you have a goal, you know what I mean? So it's a great thing, so I, I can appreciate that, Michael. So good good on you, man, and I'm proud of you. And I got friends up in Dallas, you know what I'm saying? I got buddies. I'm down here in Colleen, but I got buddies up in Dallas that run nonprofits. He's a veteran. I got friends up in Dallas, up in that area, and we'll talk offline. I want to talk to you real quick about something else offline just between me and you. But I think, you know, having veterans in, in, in major cities is a really big challenge, too, because, like you said, I, I'm like you are with the VFWs, man. I can't go in there anymore because it's just all – and I, I love the Vietnam era veterans. I'm, I'm all about respecting those guys and shit, but I'm, you go in there, and it's just like they want to keep it that way. They want to keep it old. They, wanna, they don't want to, like, have things that are going to be younger, younger vets in there so there's more people in there of our own – you know, I'm in my 40s. I'm almost 50 now. But the point is, guys like you in their 30s or, or, or even the late 20 guys that are getting out, those need to be reven- available to all of us veterans, not just the old guys that are sitting at the bar drinking a beer and just, you know, whatever, and then give, giving us shit when we come in because we're not their era of veteran. And like I tell those guys, look, it's not a competition of how many times you were deployed or how many times you killed somebody or how many times you got blown up. We all went through it. That's what the whole common thing about us being in this room is about. It's about we have something in common so we can just be together and just let loose and be who we are and not have to worry about 
who had the better story or who had the worst experience. It's not about that. It shouldn't be about that in a VFW or the DAV or anything. It should just be about we're veterans. We need to be in here for each other to support each other. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, I used to be a senior vice at one of the VFWs down here and there's, and plus the shit's kind of corrupt in my, my opinion. I mean, some of the shit gets a little bit out of control of the way they run things. So I'm like, right. I gotta get out of here, man. Because even when I call the people up the state level, I'm like you need to come down here and look into this. Cause this shit is shady as hell. You know what I'm saying? Like our VFW burned down. We had a half million dollars in insurance. We rebuilt, but I'm like, where are all the receipts for what we spent the money? I'm like, where is everything? Like, I, why can't I find a book with all the receipts of who we paid, what contract? Where's the, they come, and then nothing happened, man. I called the state people, nothing, they came out, nothing happened. And I'm like, are you serious, bro? The leadership, there, not, not that you could do anything maybe legally or whatever, but you should have just gutted that place. All They're not allowed in here no more because they basically, you know, where money was getting, you know, I'm just, and I'm digressing, but I'm just saying. The VFW has got issues to deal with, and I think they need to look at stuff at the national level. They need to get they need to get their shit together and start coming down. If they're going to be a veteran organization, a military type organization, then somebody needs to be the sergeant major or be the you know the chief petty or whatever, and come down put their foot on somebody's neck until they get their shit right, so that all of us younger veterans can get involved with the VFW, so their memberships can start going up and things can start being better. But that's just me digressing. Sorry, guys out there, but I mean that's just me those organizations piss me off because they're they're national level organizations that are corrupt. They're corrupt. I don't care well, how you look at it. We, that's why we formed our own thing. That's yeah, why we that's decided, you to, right? you know, this younger group of guys. That's why we didn't really want a, a VFW where it's a joke and smoke, man. We wanted, like, you come out of the military, and this, and I suggest this to whoever's freaking listening to this. Yeah. If, you, if you're getting out of the military, don't do what I did and, and have animosity to Uncle Sam. Because trust me, it wasn't their fault. It was just the bullshit that they were dealing with at the same time I was dealing with it. You know what I mean? And so if you're a veteran and you get out and you're upset at your last command, don't let that be reflective of all the other people that served before you and with you and after you um, because we need it. We got to understand we are 1% of the population. You you know what I mean? We're, we're a true one percenters and I wish that when I got out in 06 that I would have dove into an organization that I'm involved with today. And I promise you, I would be that big bank, Hank. I would be a multimillionaire and and high on the hog, right? But instead, I held on to hate. I held on to animosity. I held on to resentment. I held on to all this negative BS that didn't allow me to to grow uh, in life. And so I highly encourage anybody that gets out of the service that has a sour taste in their mouth to leave that at the door and go find another organization that's comprised of veterans that are doing the right thing in your community. And if you can't find one, start one. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, start one. I mean, the big thing for all of you out there listening to and what Michael says is big, but if you reach out to your chamber of commerce, you reach out to some of these organizations that work within the city where you live, They'll put you and give you direction to people that, that they know of that work those organizations. Like I run a nonprofit down here in Colleen and I help soldiers and veterans and first responders and their families, right? So when people go to the chamber and say, Hey, where is there a veteran organization out here that helps us with food or helps us? Yep, they say, yep, go to Operation Family Support. They'll square you away. They're good to go. Just bring all your stuff. Tracking. Then they come. They don't send them to the VFWs here. They don't send them to those other organizations. They send them to the organizations where they know people are putting in the effort to do something for the community, not those kind of organizations that are just kind of, you know, I I don't know, man. I could talk about that forever, man. It really. Yeah, you, you have some organizations that are in it for their face yeah. and their and their recognition, and then you have organizations that I'm a part of that we are all behind the scenes. Yeah. We do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and we take zero credit for it because we don't want credit. 
We just know that because our credit is in ourselves knowing that we did the next right thing, right? We can look back and we can see the end result and say, yeah, we know what's up. And that's what I was looking for. I don't want somebody coming. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. My blah, blah, blah. No, man, I'm not. Because what is it? I think it's even biblical, right? You give unconditionally and not expecting something in return. Don't give if you expect some reward for giving. Well, then you're you're giving for the whole wrong reason of giving. Yeah. Like you should be giving because you want to out of just straight kindness. Yeah, you're giving yeah. out of the kindness of your heart because that's what you want to do as a human being for other people. I mean, that's what. And if there's accolades from that, great. But you shouldn't expect any. You know, we've had, I've had that discussion on other podcasts. Just like us as veterans, I don't expect anything from a civilian out there except for a thank you for service. I don't expect them to give me a discount. I don't expect them to do anything special. I don't expect, look, I serve my country. I'm part of that 1%. So I deserve a thank you for what I was willing to sacrifice for you to be able to live in America and have the dreams you have and have the things you have. But that's as far as I take it. A thank you is nice enough for me. I'm good. I'm, and I really don't even need to hear that because I know you appreciate the fact that all of us that serve, serve because it keeps you living the life you have. So I'm good with that. But you know, I'm not one of those guys that expect a discount or even ask for a discount when I go. I don't ever ask if I'm – now, if they offer it to me, I said, yeah, I am, and I'll take it. And I always say thank you because you didn't have to do that, in my opinion. You, you don't owe me that, but thank you for giving it to me. You know what I mean? I'm one of those guys. So that's just me. And I don't wear hats to say I'm a veteran. I don't do all that shit. You know, just that's not me. But, um, yeah. So, anyway, Mike, let's talk real quick. What, as a veteran and active duty community, can we do for you and your business and your friends and family members out there in Dallas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or Rockwell, wherever you're at? What can we do for you and your business, man? Is there anything we can do? We can like and share a Facebook page. Can we go check out your website? Yeah, I mean, you can you can go and check out docsroofing.net. That's our website. We have our Facebook page, Instagram, Google My Business, all that social media jargon, right? But the, really the most important thing that you can do for, for me or for not specifically my business, but for other veteran-owned business out there is give them the support that that they've worked hard for, yeah. right? Because we have a hard time working for other people, especially after getting out of the service and being told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where to wear it. And then you come in and you try to get a job at, at corporate and you got some freaking knucklehead that doesn't know anything trying to tell you what to do. We get real frustrated, right? And so that's why majority of, of veterans get out and they start their own thing because they are, will strangle somebody that's a civilian who doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't adhere to what they're suggesting. They're not leaders. Right. And so for me, we just look for that unconditional support. And, and what I tell people is without the support of our patriots, we can't be as successful as we are today. And really, that's for the most important thing for me is anybody that ever says, hey, Mike, thanks for your service. I'm like, really, thank you for your support. Because I do recall the shit storm that the Vietnam veterans faced, yeah. right? They, got, they had zero support, zero. Yeah, zero. They deserve more than anybody, yeah. You know what I mean? And so there has been a dynamic shift in the perception of our of our military, which is great. But yeah, if you guys go to my Facebook page, you can like it, share it, whatever. If you need a roof, we'll come out and look at it. We pride ourselves on that integrity, on that honor, courage, and commitment platform. And that's another crazy thing. When I was in the service, and they always said those, you, you just repeat, 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 do over, 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 and over, honor, courage, commitment, all that shit sounded dumb to me, right? Because I was 18, 19 years old, but subconsciously it stuck, right? Yeah, subconsciously, that stuck in my head. That's why they and, do it. They beat it into your head, yeah. Right? And so when I became a business owner, 
a lot of that stuff and I started to gain that moment of clarity and I wasn't soggy bottom boys anymore. I was like, ah, I have a bunch of light bulb moments, right? It was like, oh shit, that's what they were talking about. That's why they made me paint that rock yellow. You, you know what I mean? That's what they were, were trying to convey to me. And so just, it just, it just it became huge. You know what I mean? The, my vision became more clear. It does, man. So, hey, everybody, listen up. So, check out the podcast. We'll check it out on our website, veteransbereal.com. You'll see Michael's name and when his episode's going to get launched. All this stuff will be linked into there. All his, his business pages and his, and his veteran organization will link all that in there so you can check it out and see what it is all about. And if you're interested in reaching out to Michael, definitely. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area up there in that northern Texas area and you need a roof, man, now you know there's a veteran organization out there that does that. So, reach out to him and see if they can help you out. So, Michael, I want to thank you for being on the show, brother. I wish you and your family all the best, and I hope you stay safe up there in Dallas or in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks again for having me on. Yeah, no problem, Michael. Take it easy. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Hope you all got something out of this podcast today. Please tell a battle buddy about us and stay tuned for our upcoming podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at www.veteransbereal.com. Support us because we got your back. Till next time, everyone, I'm out of here.